right, welcome again to the Salty Pastor podcast <laughs> with Dr. Douglas Peake. Uh, we aim every week on this podcast, Tuesdays and Thursdays, to talk about upcoming sermons that Dr. Douglas Peake will be having, and then really deep diving into how he's formulating these ideas, how they apply to our lives directly, and getting that deeper level of understanding that you don't even get on Sundays because you're you're trying to keep it within a time limit. Here we can kind of go as long as we want and just focus on getting into the meat. So yeah. uh, today we're going to talk about how love is the greatest tool on God's toolbox to grow us strong. We'll preview 1 John chapter 4, uh, Gnosticism. What in the world is that? <laughs> All this and more. Please welcome Pastor Doug, who really is the salty pastor. Salty, salty. We'll dig into that later. It's meaning and it's depth. So one of the reasons why I think this podcast is so important is because... Uh, you need a deeper truth. We all need a deeper truth, and we need a Absolutely. deeper truth in our own selves. We need something deeper because if you build yourself on yourself, uh, that's a closed loop, and it's kind of a house of cards, you know, and you only have to live past about 25 to realize that building yourself on yourself is not a good it idea. It's not the ideal <laughs> schematic. idea, so... But uh, we've been in this series called F.H. Strong. We're going to finish it up. And basically, it's about how we grow strong in the face of adversity. And there's a lot of adversity, a lot of challenges, a lot of trouble. So and that's an opportunity for us, instead of becoming uh, ruined or bitter by adversity, that we can actually become better. And you can actually become stronger. And you can become victorious over all, throughout all of these challenges and setbacks. And what that does is it allows you to open your heart and your mind for God's work. And sometimes it's in our struggles where he does his greatest work. And so today we're going to be talking about the last installment on F.H. Strong. The final one. The final one. People have been loving it, though. Yeah, good, good, good. I think I've gotten rave reviews on this series. I think it's exactly what they want right now. And so... I think some people are going to be sad to see it go, but we've got some exciting <laughs> new stuff cooking. So new stuff cooking. Yeah, we're always preaching the gospel, preaching the word. And uh, this Sunday, boy, I wish I could just preach this message uh, from 42 different angles for an entire year, do 52 weeks on it. It would be awesome. But it's basically this notion that God grows us strong in the midst of adversity with love with love with love and that's really fascinating and interesting because many of us don't see love as the powerful force that it really is from God's ideal and so I think people need to get a flavor of that we're going to jump into an entire book on love but it's predominantly chapter four of first John so why don't you read that for us Jesse? all right it's time for deep sultry tones with Jesse <laughs> Chapter 4 of 1 John. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Mm -hmm. By this you know that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard, and that is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Love that verse. So good. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, 
and the world listens to them. Mm-hmm. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. The one who does not love does not know oh, God. You jumped a verse. I'm I sorry. did jump a verse. Verse uh, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. That's an important one. You That's an important one. one. It sets don't up the rest. S- yeah, you don't want to skip that one. <laughs> the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. 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 New word for me today. (laughs) For our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Mm -hmm. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he is God. And we have come to know and have believed that love which God has for us, God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Mm -hmm. By this, love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he loved us first. Mm. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him and the one who loves God should love his brother also. Mm. Now, in Jesse's defense, I just want you to know that he's reading out of my my study and research Bible. It's a New American Standard. Yes. And it's got all these notes it's and breakdowns. It's got breakdown. so many notes, <laughs> large <laughs> gaps between verses. So, yes, so. <laughs> I just need to, I'll make sure I bring mine next time. That way I'm a little <laughs> bit more uh, used to how it flows. <laughs> So I really love this book. I love this chapter in particular. And it has to be read in its entirety. Because if it's not read in its entirety, it's easily taken out of context. So why did you choose this first letter the Apostle John wrote? What's, what, was the, what, what was the focus on this? Well, this weekend we are going to be preaching on God's greatest tool for strengthening us. And that's his love. Um, and But it's not just any love. It's It's love that God it's God love it's his definition of what true and authentic love is and one of the reasons why we have so much pain and suffering in our life when it comes to love and you know what is it uh, unlucky in love is the phrase is because preach pastor <laughs> preach tell me about it <laughs> is because um is oftentimes in our society, they don't understand God's definition of love. And so what we try to do is we do things that are trying to mirror it or reflect it. And and so it it always seems like a, an engine that's missing a firing cylinder, you know, a bicycle where the chain pops off and it's right. kind of frustrating. And so we have to really, and what this chapter does is it really ties, well, God is love but also, if you love God, you do what he says, and Jesus died on the cross. And so oftentimes when you hear this 
chapter, you only hear that God is love part. You don't hear about that, wow, we saw God send his son into the world to die for us, and that if we love God, we do what he says. We seek to follow in obedience, and that causes us to love those around us. So the entire book is all about love. And what's interesting is the entire book is a refutation of Gnosticism. Okay. <laughs> Second new word for me for the day. What is Gnosticism? <laughs> well, Gnosticism uh, comes from the Greek word gnosis, which we get the word knowledge okay. from. So uh, instead of K-N where the K is silent, it's G-N and the G is silent uh, when they transliterated or translated the word. Now, the debate of where Gnosticism came from, you know, is kind of up in the air. I believe it was rooted in Plato's uh, philosophy of idealism. And I won't go into that until a later date for those people who really dig philosophy. <laughs> but this was written and it came to prominence in the first century of Christianity. And what, the reason why is because what the Romans did is the Romans were not Greek, okay? But what the Romans did is they conquered the Greeks, and then they embraced the Greek— Adopted a lot of— all, Yeah, the Hellenistic culture. Hellenistic means Greek culture. So they adopted it. And what, what uh, Romans were, if I could just kind of give you a brief summation, is that they were— they were incredibly efficient, practical people, and they were, they were military conquerors. And everything in their society was based upon hierarchy. It was about competition, about winning. You know, friends are on your side. Destroy your enemies. And so the Roman Empire was constantly expanding because they were just destroying. And what they did is they became very efficient at adopting principles that helped them achieve their goal. So if there was an attitude or a value, boy, they grabbed that. They loved the Hellenistic values because it gave meaning and purpose to their military conquests, right? right? And so what happened is uh, Gnosticism was around for quite a while, kind of latent. And then Christianity comes along, and at first what happened is they started adopting some of this, you know? It's like, okay, Jesus has conquered death, he's conquered everything, and the Romans were very interested in the afterlife. That was a big deal to them. And so, but then what happened is you had people, what I call second and third generation adopters. What they did is they heard Christianity, they had this Greek philosophy, they had Roman uh, values, and they started to just kind of bring them all together. It's like a gumbo. Yeah, you know, it's like a gumbo, a, a, a smorgasbord, because boy, it could nourish what they wanted to do. And so Romans were so quick to do it. And I call it like uh, going with your gumbo theme. It's kind of like an Asian fusion, okay. you know, or Tex-Mex, you know, Korean barbecue. Uh, uh, my family and I, we were in Houston one time. We were uh, going on a family reunion, kind of a boat ride. Uh, and so we got there and we, we saw this sign where you could stop and they were, they were serving shrimp and donuts. Okay. <laughs> And we, we just laughed about that. Shrimp and donuts. Shrimp and donuts. And I'm like, okay, it's like chicken and waffles. I was going to say, yeah. it's like 
That seems like chicken waffles, which is pretty widely accepted now. Maybe yeah. shrimp and donuts is the yeah. next fad that's going to sweep the so, nation. So I guess the illustration is, at least in our cuisine, and I would argue even further in all other areas of life, American society is reflecting the Roman thing and that is is that boy we're super quick to buy into any principle or value or idea that helps us advance whatever internally we want right to achieve in goal so therefore the gnostic philosophy was already in roman culture christianity comes they weld them together and the primary outcome is this and that is that the followers of jesus christ uh christians uh uh were you know, pursuing Jesus and other people wanted to adopt the philosophy of Jesus without doing anything that he said or following the path that he laid out. So they took the the words Jesus, they took his worldview, they took his his spiritual concepts, and then they kind of adopted them but reinterpreted their meaning. And that's what Gnosticism is. They wanted their own version of it. They wanted their own version. And so that's what they were doing. So John wanted to ultimately refute this philosophy. Why? Why did he care? (laughs) Well, the main reason why is three. There's three reasons. But the primary reason is he saw it as a deviation from loving and knowing God authentically. And, of course... That is the primary message of the gospel, is that Christ came to die for your sins. Take your place to remove the unrighteousness of your own life so that you could authentically walk with God and know God. And in that, you'll find peace and the abundant life, as John says in in chapter 10. The, The other reason why is because when people started to adopt these things, their life became really weak. They became spiritually weak people. And so anytime there was a crisis or a problem, people would uh, fold like a cheap pup tent from Walmart. I mean, they would just cave in and they had no hope. They had no uh, strength or no foundation. So John, if you read earlier on, he talks a little bit about it in the first few verses. But he mentions this over and over again as he goes, it's the spirit of the Antichrist. He calls them false prophets. Right. So Paul mentions this in his letter to Timothy. He says, people hold to a form of godliness or spirituality, but they've denied its power. So it doesn't have any strength. It doesn't have any um, foundational. Yeah, it's all fluff. And on the surface, it sounds really good. And, oh, it's so cool. And have it your way. Yeah, but then what happens is as soon as you're hit smack in the face with real life, you have no foundation and you have no strength. So his hope in doing this was that you would grow strong. And the primary way in which you will grow strong is God's loving, God loving you and you loving God, which is really unique. That is because especially where strength is usually so focused on, you know, you're, you have this manliness and your yeah. muscles mm-hmm. and things like that. Have, and love is usually equated with such a weak thing. If you're right. in love, you're weak. You're, right. You have all of these ideas that are about love that our culture even now has put on us that anything love makes you weak in things. And you're saying the opposite. You know, right. our, our, our love and relationship with God is what actually makes us strong. Yes, it makes us very strong. And, and what's really interesting is that when, when women love, 
right, with God's definition of love, they become the most feminine, meaning they become the most womanly, authentically woman that they can be. When men love, you know, in God's definition of love, that's when they become the most masculine and they become strong and powerful. Women are powerful. Men are powerful, not because of our own strength, but because of God's love in us. And that's that phrase. We love because he first loved loved us. us. And that's a powerful phrase because what it's saying is that I'm not trying to define love. I'm loving as God has loved me. So the definer, the originator of love and how it makes you a strong person, whether male or female, is God. So that's kind of why he's refuting all of this. So. so going back to earlier, John appealed to love kind of in order to find strength. Why? Why is that? Like, what was his? Well, since God is the originator of love, right? The definer of love. What, what, what the essence of Christianity was is that Jesus Christ came to restore us back to God by redeeming us. I call these the R words, right? He wants to restore, and to do that, he had to redeem, and redeem is like buy back, right? right? So he paid the price, and what he did is after he he wanted to restore, so he redeemed, and then what he did is he renewed, right? And so the righteousness of God is placed upon us, and now we're made new, and this is uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, that if any person is in Christ, they are a brand new creation. So they are, this is why Jesus said in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, you must be born again. So it's like, okay, this is a really weird concept. But what it's saying is that when God's righteousness is placed upon you, you're made new. Just like Jesus was made new when he was resurrected from the dead. So these are the R words. Restoration renewal, uh, redemption, and resurrection. So you get all those kind of big R's. All those, those are the big R's. So that's why he was doing it. Uh, And because of that, you cannot, that type of relationship, that intimacy with God, that interaction, it cannot be a relationship built upon power, coercion, manipulation, Uh, any of these things. It has to be built on love, right? The strongest, most powerful relationships are built on authentic love. And this makes sense when you think that true authentic love is the most powerful force. You know, when people, you know, look at the, the, the shadows of it. Like, let's say you fall in love romantically. You know, well, what's the first thing you do? It doesn't matter if you're a guy or a gal as you start writing really lame poetry, right? Maybe that's why I haven't been keeping anyone. I haven't been doing the poetry thing, Doug. I well, think when maybe you, that's when what I'm missing. Well, when you fall in love out. and suddenly, I mean, even the most hardened guy, you know, who's a soldier and a plumber, suddenly he's a poet and he's an yes. artist and he's uh, drawing pictures. I'm, I'm, I'm Da Vinci and I want to create all this art and my, my words are so powerful. So. Yeah. I mean, just listen to some of the love songs that have been written over the time in the past. And you're I just mean, think, it's the number one topic of almost every song is, <laughs> is love, love. So. that that romantic love and and what happens is uh that just is a signal of how we, we we are driven and motivated by love it connects us it fills us it gives us purpose unfortunately we don't know what real love is and we always give our love and love the wrong things and that's where the problem comes from 
And so we take the most powerful force in your life, you know, and it was meant to be connect, connect you and motivate you to God. And now it's usurped to something else. And this is Satan's favorite thing is he wants you to get love from all the wrong things. It reminds me of an old country western song in the urban cowboy. cowboy. I was singing, I was looking for love in all the the wrong wrong places. places. (laughs) Well, so let's let's expound upon that. I mean, we this most powerful motivating force in our lives. But it also tends to be, I mean, painful. It can bring suffering. What what's the difference between what he's talking about here in the Bible about this amazing love that's supposed to be so powerful and what we're experiencing, you know, in various ways throughout our lives? It seems like sometimes it's it's like we got it all backwards or it's not all the it's not everything. It's all hyped up to be in the Bible. (laughs) Well, and, and this is really the human struggle, isn't it? I mean, what you're what you're asking about is that we're trying to find meaning. I mean, everybody's trying to find meaning. Uh, but ultimately we can't find it in ourselves but all what we tend to do is because we're motivated by love you know we have this deep hunger what what we're trying to do is fill it with what we think will quench the thirst but jesus says that's never going to work you you're going to drink of this water over and over and you'll thirst again but when you drink of the water i give you you will never thirst again and what he's doing is he's offering us a choice and it's it's a simple question but it's the most profound question you'll ever have to answer in your life and it doesn't matter what your iq is how successful or how unsuccessful you are in life you're going to have to think about this and that is can i find meaning in myself or can i find it in jesus because you can't do both you cannot do both. You have to choose. And love is at the center of the struggle, right there. Will we love our definition of it? Will we keep searching and searching what will make us happy and wondering why God isn't making us happy, you know? And so, or are we going to ultimately say to ourselves, and this is why so few people have a real experience with God, because so few people want to do this. And that is say, look, I obviously have no idea what real love is, and I'm just going to quit trying. I'm just going to stop. I have to stop, and I'm going to give myself fully to Christ. And this is why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must read the fine print, sign the contract, make sure you have everything figured out, hedge your bets, you know, keep a little foot in the world and still follow me. Is that what he said? No. He says you have to pick up your cross deny yourself see now why would you want to deny yourself well what you're really denying at the level of your soul is my attempt to love my way and get love my way and that right there is what you're denying so you can say god you define love for me i will now love the way you have loved me and only then do we really open up ourselves to this incredible new world that is filled, as John says, with full abundance. That's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) And you're planning on covering all of this in 25 minutes on Sunday. I wish you luck, sir. <laughs> so God is good. Well, my hope and prayer is that we can focus on the practical application of these biblical principles. Like, I'm hoping that today you were kind of able to dig a little bit deeper into the scripture and read this chapter over and over and over again. And I, I just wanted to 
you know, before we, we focus on Sunday, the practical principles and how to weave them into your life, I think it's really important to understand in this passage of Scripture is that in verses 1 through 3, he says that there is only one truth, and that is when we know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is God. And he says, once you get that, you can overcome anything that is going to hit you in this world, because verse 4 is one of my favorites. He says, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them. And what are you overcoming? It's all these false spirits, all these falsehoods and pseudo identities, fake identities, all these things. He says, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And see, that's just it. If you're, if you're filled with yourself, right, um, it's not that God can't come in and dominate that. He could, but he won't because he loves you. So you have to op- open the door, right? It's got to be your choice. Exactly. You got to let him in. He's not going to. He could drag you kicking and streaming, <laughs> yeah. but it doesn't tend to. But he won't do that. He's just going to quietly and mysteriously whisper the words of love and until your heart is ready to surrender to that. And then in verse 7, you know, uh, up through about 10, what you see is that the, fam- the famous verses, let us love one another because when we love others, love comes from God and and so we're walking in this newness. But then he says that the reason why we can do this is because God loved us first. And then this is verse 13 is a really good one. This is how we know that we live in God and God is in us because he's given us the Holy Spirit. And, and how do we get that? Because we beheld, we bore witness, verse 14, that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And he says, we have come to know, verse 16, uh, and have believed the love which God has for us, because God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And so what you're getting is this picture is that I really can't love apart from God. And I, I, can't, I can't bring my own agenda of what love is to God. You know, I have to completely let it go, surrender myself into the fullness of God's love. And that happens when I experience the redemptive righteousness of Jesus Christ, who gave himself for me. And Jesus said this, he goes, no greater love has any man than this. He who would lay down his life for his friend. And that's what Jesus did. He came to lay down his life for me. And so now it's like, okay, that tells me I really have no idea what real love is. And until I let go of my idea and embrace his, I'll never abide in God completely. And so that's what this passage is all about. It's about knowing God so that we can know true love and then we can live love and walk in love. That's amazing. 25 minutes. 25 man. minutes. Man. <laughs> so you're going to turn my mic off if I yeah, run over? Yeah, <laughs> we've got the Miss America music that'll play you, or no, the, what is it, the Oscars music? It'll yeah, play you off stage. Really, the big yeah. cane will come out and start pulling you. Well, the good news, though, is that's kind of the point of this podcast. Yeah, so we can go a lot deeper. We can go a lot deeper. We have our, our next ones on Thursday. We're going to do some more practical yep. application, dive a little bit deeper into love. I'm sure you could, you like you said at the beginning, you could talk for weeks and weeks and weeks on love. Yeah. Yeah. But um, we're just going to yep. explore it a little bit more on Thursday. Yep. That's it for today. But 
I want to encourage you guys, if you're enjoying this, leave a five-star review uh, um, on iTunes or whatever podcast yeah. listening thing. Spotify, Spotify. everything else. Um, yeah. It is available on YouTube. You can leave a comment there. But as you leave those reviews, if you, as you rate and uh, um, engage with it, it actually shares it out because then everybody, you know, the algorithm right. goes, hey, this is important. People actually like this. So it really helps us. And again, as always, this is stuff that someone out there in the world needs to hear. And by you taking that simple minute to do that could be sharing with them. So amen. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we will see you guys on the next episode of the salty pastor.